This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I put together this sermon, Peace Through Repentance, not long after I had experienced it myself. So the result of what happened is what I'd like to share with you this evening. It's my goal to respectfully communicate this message and not pick on anyone because this message picks on me. What leads us to peace? Do you carry a burden? Is there heaviness in your soul and it seems like it won't leave even after prayer? Our battleground is between good and evil. It's mostly a state of mind. Our holy and righteous God alone can stick with us through the length and depth of our need. But it does require something from us. Look at me, if you will. Look with me, if you will, at Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to deliver, to, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Today, instead of concerning ourselves with the sin of commission, we're going to focus on our sin of omission. Our calling is a lot more about what we should be doing than what we shouldn't. We can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. Have you ever thought about repentance for peace? Let's look at Luke 15, 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. In this lesson, we're going to investigate two things that God uses to bring us to repentance. The first one is, it is a commandment. Acts 17.30, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Here the Apostle Paul is referring to the Gentiles and their idolatry. They didn't know God. They didn't know how to worship God. God's patience had run out on them. Paul then goes on to say that God commands everyone to repent. Webster's definition of repent is to turn from sin and dedicate one's life to the amendment of one's life. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about me. He's talking about you. If you're serious about amending, it will result in good deeds. Let's look at Luke 19.8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, 
the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. There's a lot being said here. And uh, Zacchaeus was a man that had sin evident in his life. He was also uh, a man of short statue, and he was a rich man. Uh, Jesus was at the pinnacle of his ministry, and he was traveling from town to town. He was healing people. He was preaching. And he came upon, let's see, what town was it? Jericho. I believe it was Jericho. And uh, was going through Jericho, and it was so crowded that Zacchaeus couldn't see. He climbed up in a tree. And I thought that's pretty epic. I thought to myself, he climbed up in a tree, and then I remembered the history of Jericho, how there were no walls. I mean, the, the tree was probably the tallest thing that there was for him to get in. Uh, God had prepared the way for Jesus. He had prepared the way for his word. And what Jesus did was fairly simple. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. And that very act fed the poor. It caused a man that didn't have a good reputation. It changed his life. And he went about trying to mending his deeds. Many, in, many times in the Bible, it refers to our sinful deeds as darkness. Like Zacchaeus, discovering where our faults are will compel us to amend our ways. Let's look at 1 John 1.5. Then this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. <clears throat> I remember in my own life, uh, I raised two boys. My oldest son one day came to me and said, Dad, I want to play baseball. So immediately my mind goes back to when I played baseball. And uh, I thought, well, we got this. So I got him on a team. We started practicing and we started hitting those practices. It wasn't long after that I realized, no, we don't got this. <laughs> I, uh, we weren't accomplished. And we weren't doing what we needed to help the team. And so instead of praying about it, I should have went and prayed about it. said, God, help me with son here. He's wanting to do it. I need to help him. I thought, well, you know, I know what I'll do. I'll take him to the batting cages. So... I called a friend of mine, and he had a boy, same age, on the same team. I said, let's go to the batting cages, see what those kids can do. He said, okay. So we get them to hitting balls and everything, him and I are standing there talking. And uh, my friend goes, hey, look over there. That's old so-and-so, standout hitter. He was MVP on the team. And I looked over there, and there was this guy watching my son hit balls. And there's been many times in my life when I was stumped, didn't know what to do, and a teacher would appear out of, out of nowhere, uh, miraculously, you know. And uh, so I go over to him, I introduce myself to him, 
And I said, do you know anything about baseball? And he said, yeah. He said, I know a little. And so I said, well, what do you think of my son's hitting here? And he watched him hit a few more balls, and he said, what are you trying to accomplish? And I thought that was a very good question. And I felt like when he asked that question, as if I had, didn't have good intentions or, or whatever, that he wasn't going to help me. But I just simply told the truth. I said, well, my son wants to play high school baseball. So he watched him hit a few more. And he looked at me. He said, I can help. He said, this is what you do. He said, whatever his coaches tell you, you're not to question it. He said, but you're to do exactly what they say. He said, go home. He said, get a bat and tee. He said, start hitting that ball off that tee. Make sure you make solid contact. He said, that bat is too heavy for your son. You need to drop down in bat size to get his bat speed up. And once I knew what the problem was, once we realized what the problem was, it wasn't difficult. We did have to amend our mistakes and dedicate ourselves to doing it right. Here's a quote. Going backwards to the source of the truth can make progress, especially if the copy has errors in it. It must then be examined and corrected by the original. Who's the original? Well, he wrote this book right here. What are we trying to accomplish? Are we hitting the ball squarely? Are we doing what we need to do to help the team? Repentance is a commandment, and I could stop right here and say that's reason enough. But why would our holy and righteous God make such a commandment? That brings us to number two. Let's look at Luke 24-7. For deliverance. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The prophets of the Old Testament preached repentance, sacrifice, and remission to the Jews. Here's the deliverance. The apostles of the New Testament were commissioned to preach it to the whole world. Unlike the Jews of the Old Testament, when we give our life to Christ, His righteousness and the shedding of His blood will be the remission of our sins. It'll blot out our transgressions. We can't expect forgiveness unless we repent and follow Christ. No repentance means no deliverance. Let's look at Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The most comfortable fruit of remission will be when our sins are forgiven. Let's look at Acts 3.19. 
Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. One of the ways you can fight and withstand the schemes of the devil is to have inner peace. When you have inner peace, you're not constantly fighting to substantiate yourself over another person. Your fight is where it should be, in your own mind, correcting your own actions. People will watch and learn more from what you do than they'll do what you say. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.30. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. This is Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And what I like about Paul and his epistles to the churches is that his obedience to God allowed him to love them, but still cut through their baloney. If we're convicted by the Holy Spirit, what should we do then? If we know our faults and we know what we're doing, what should we do? Let's look at 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to confess the actual act. You can say, I have a problem with this. Or you can say, I have a fault and I'm in need of prayer. What everyone wants to hear most, including God, is that I need Jesus in my life and I want to follow him. You may even want to follow him in baptism. I have felt when godly people prayed for me, the relief I felt was dramatic. Let's look at James 5.16. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You may think, well, I'm not going to tell anyone what's going on with me. And I'm not going down to the front. That's embarrassing. Well, the embarrassing thing is that your family members and your church members already know it they need to know that you know it there needs to be a humble act showing others that you're laying aside the things of the world and following Jesus this in turn will free up our mind and our battleground by following Jesus this places our concern from ourself to others let's look at Mark 10:42. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, Ye know that which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. Whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will will be the chiefest, shall be servant at all, of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister 
and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus taught this because of something James and John did. Two of his disciples, they wanted to be placed in heaven, one on his right and one on his left, above the other apostles, which is evil. It's, it's, uh, it's darkness. It's evil. It's not, it's not good to, to wish those kind of things. And I've heard people say the world nowadays is so much worse. It's full of evil people. And I know when they say that, they're thinking, you know, I'm not so bad myself. You know, that in part is a true statement. The world is worse nowadays, but it's not worse because of the evil people. It's worse nowadays because we don't pray anymore. We don't witness. We don't repent. The preacher is always talking about someone else. When we're thinking we're not so bad, that also is in part true. We're not so bad that our holy and righteous God can't deliver us. Remember, it is a commandment, and number two, it is for deliverance. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Where does it start again? It starts with me. It starts with you. When we cave into conformity, we lose our originality. Within our social group, a lot of the times we try to look and act like everyone else. It's easy to hide our faults behind what we think everyone else wants us to be. Why not do something foolish for God? If you will, let's turn to 2 Samuel 23.20. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts... He slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. Physically and mentally, I can't think of a worse place to be than in a pit with a lion on a cold day. In my opinion, that very act of courage is what turned the tide for Benaiah. King David made him captain over the entire army of Israel. What if your dream, and I'm talking about the thing that you want most in this life, is exactly what God wants to give to you? Do we play defense to keep our feelings from getting hurt when all it takes is a two-minute offense to turn our life around and follow God. Where would we be if the greatest lion chaser of all mankind, Jesus, had not done what God asked him? Maybe walking to this front pew in repentance is your lion in a pit in time of snow. Our holy and righteous God 
wants us to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. He wants to take away that heaviness in your soul that won't leave even after you pray. What leads us to repentance? Let's look at Romans 2, 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing not that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. That step will lead you to what you've been searching for. What are we all searching for? Peace. Do we know that we're broken people? I hope and pray that we know that and we know that we need Jesus. If you decide to make that decision to follow God's commandment, the people of this church will pray for you. They will love you. They will support you. Believe me, I know. And our holy and righteous God will support you. He'll plant your steps where you want them and where he wants them. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.